You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Wednesday wild card game edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. We are so excited to be here. Folks, October baseball, this is what you live for, and the Yankees got to play it for about 12 minutes before Garrett Cole allowed a two-run home run to Xander Bogarts, which basically ended the wild card game and extended New York's streak of postseason failure against the Boston Red Sox, specifically to 17 years, against everyone to 12 years, because they have not managed to make a World Series since the 2009 championship run. And boy, oh boy, am I getting tired of defending anybody involved in this mess that simply does not play like a championship team all year long, then expects everything to fall their way in October. And you're not going to guess how this one ends. It never works out. Make sure to find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be happy to answer it. I guess we are going to be dissecting top to bottom, the game, the tragedy, Another free agent bust, it would appear. Aaron Boone, who thinks he's done managing forever. The Red Sox, who think we wanted them and got to put a fake chip on their shoulder before this wild card win. It just always feels like the same narrative, Thomas Carinante, and it's getting real tired. We've once again got the favorable pitching matchup. Doesn't matter. Got a guy who struggled on the Yankees pitching against us in a new uniform. Doesn't matter. He looks awesome. The Red Sox find out we chose them in a tiebreaker scenario that never came to pass, and they use that as fake motivation. Great. Never get tired of that. The cheating manager who was fired for cheating in 2018 is back and leading a team that seems like they have playoff energy again. Great. Where's that energy for us? Every year, feels like we we face off against a team that has better energy, distilled into a better package, and is able to get the job done in key moments, and we are not. And quite frankly... When you break down our whole lineup, et cetera, top to bottom, we somehow ended up with this, you know, genius Brian Cashman and genius staff and incredible lineup and the big boys and the mashers. Three of the nine players last night have registered above average batting lines in 2021 as members of the New York Yankees. So it's a mess top to bottom. What are we left with here? What are we left with? Wait, you mean to tell me the Yankees, the Yankees lost a big game? against their chief rivals with their best pitcher on the mound and I know were, were unable to register any clutch hits and the game was over the second they went down early. I, I don't know if we've seen that in 2020. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this either. But the 2019 Yankees were pretty good. They made it to the ALCS, got walked off by Jose Altuve. And basically all they were missing was a big game ace and they signed Garrett Cole. But you're not going to believe this. They got worse. It didn't work because it never works. Whatever the move is, it doesn't work. I can't wait until they sign Corey Seager this offseason for that to not work. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, God. And look, guys, um, uh, we're not I don't want to. I'm not sitting here telling you we told you so. We just laid out the likely scenario for what's to happen. We talked about our concerns about Garrett Cole starting this game a week ago uh, when he got shelled by Toronto. Um, wasn't a coincidence that um, he was having an awful September and that it would parlay into a very, very dangerous wild cards uh, uh, start one game playoff on the road against the Red Sox. Like you said, who just who have the energy every single time 
energy from start to finish. Uh, and in this one, Garrett Cole was particularly bad. 50 pitches, two innings, uh, pitched into the third. Pitched into the third. The ace got into the third, guys. He we, made we it got to the there. third, yeah. And there. the third is where things get wonky sometimes for big-time aces. So I do get being skittish about getting through the, you know, the lineup a second time. That that can be tough for $324 million aces. But, yeah, Cole, Cole did throw in the white flag before uh, before that ever happened. Yeah, people are going to be mad, and and you simply have to be because, look, it's either you have a $324 million ace who gets mentally punked by your chief rivals, and it's happened all year. He's gotten he he's now lost the most winner-take-all playoff games in the history of Major League Baseball. Lost one as a member of the Pirates, lost one as a member of the Astros, um, and then lost one as the member as a member of the Yankees. Um I had my reservations about signing Cole. He had a great body of work. It was mostly kind of accentuated with whatever they were doing in Houston with doctoring baseballs. He also pitched on a staff behind Justin Verlander, who was the undisputed best pitcher in baseball for whatever reason, the second he left Detroit, very bizarre stuff. Um, But to give him, I think it was 79 million more than the next highest paid pitcher, which was Steven Strasburg just seemed a little bit insane to me. Um, and uh, was it? Tra- yeah, Strasburg signed that. Yeah, whatever. I mean, deal thank God was. we don't have him. Thank yeah. God we don't. Have no, him. that's good, too. But um, then you just look at and 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 it comes to a head once again. Like, yes, Cole has done. He, he He's had a very tough start to his Yankees tenure comes in. You got the short in 2020 season. It's wonky for everybody. Then you're relied upon to kind of carry this team in the postseason. Somehow he just give up a home run to Austin Meadows in game five of the ALDS. I won't understand. But at the same time, in big spots, he hasn't really gotten the offensive support that he's needed. Um, but clearly, my problem with this start this time around is like, if you're hurt, dude, just please don't pitch. Like, I, I if he's actually hurt and we saw the evidence over the last four starts, the Yankees have a superior bullpen and pitching staff to the Red Sox. Why not just bullpen the entire game and that's the plan instead of letting the Red Sox fans in Fenway Park get their way and have the mental edge after your manager has Aaron Boone's best move of the entire year was coming in to remove Garrett Cole of a two nothing game in the third inning of a one game wildcard playoff against the Boston Red Sox in Fenway Park I think that says a lot to what Aaron Boone has done this season um, I think it says a lot to how the Yankees have just not risen to the occasion at all, um, aside from their two runs, uh, their 13 game win streak, which was obviously part of a larger um, uh, win loss record that that helped propel them. And then the the end of year seven game win streak that then with then a lot the, saw them finish six and three. Um, it just doesn't work out. Something's wrong. We don't know what's wrong, whether it's bad luck with Cole getting hurt in September when he's when he's figured his stuff out life after sticky stuff, um, whether it's once again, this team just flipping the on off switch to the off setting when everything starts to get more intense um, and more pressure filled. Uh, Once again, don't really know what else to tell you guys. We laid out the scenario for you. There's no reason to believe that this team could have done anything, anything beyond what they did last night. Did we see a win in our mind's eye, sure. I mean, the Red Sox overachieved this year. Really not that great of a team. Um, but guess what? They have the it factor. They have the energy. They have the mental edge over the Yankees. Always do. Always do. Always always have in, all, in more than half of our lifetime. Um, so, and then I, I would love to know. I know I'm. we're just all over the place right now because I don't give a fuck. How did the Yankees scenario leak to the public? I don't know. Well, I would love to. And it wasn't even a scenario. It wasn't even a scenario. It was the Yankees lost the tiebreaker to both of their divisional opponents. Should they all have had the same record? So it was either go to Toronto or go to Boston. Would you rather go to Toronto who have who have given Garrett Cole a tough time most of the year? I think he started against them five times. Three of them were not very good. Lost on opening day, he lost on opening day. And then he left the start injured where he didn't look good. He had that eight inning start and then he had like a six inning start. Um, he had where, a great start in the minor league ballpark in Dunedin, Florida. Yeah, but he, he had one start in Toronto. It was last week. 
That was, I mean, there's no more evidence. Like, you're not going to get clearer evidence than Cole pitching last week in his exact current bodily state in the road stadium against Toronto. Last week, he went to Boston and didn't look unbelievable, but limited contact and went six innings, three runs, and gave up a Devers homer, and that was it. And then he went to Toronto and got his ass destroyed. So the Yankees saw that, that, and... And again, why do I know the private machinations of Major League Baseball tiebreakers? That never happened. Yeah. We didn't have a tiebreaker. But yeah, bottom line, the Red Sox and Jays finished with better records in division than the Yankees. So they got to choose whether they'd be the home team or they could choose a destination. So the Red Sox and Jays really had the opportunity to truly disrespect the Yankees because they could have chosen the Yankees and said, we'll go on the road. But they didn't yeah. do that because they're smart. So they said, do you want to be the home Red Sox? You want to be the home team or you want to be, you know, or you want to pick your opponent? They said home team. They said, all right, Jays, you next. You want to be the home team or you want to pick your opponent? They said home team. So then they go, all right, Yankees, you're in the third place slot. You can either choose to go to Boston or Toronto. And the Yankees chose the Boston Red Sox. We shouldn't know that. We shouldn't know that. I guess, yeah. I mean, because I, we needed an entire Sunday. Like, we needed everything to break crazy on Sunday for a four way tie. After the four way tie happens, you can tell us what happened and who chose what. Really, seriously. The Yankees made an educated decision. They chose between the Red Sox and Blue Jays, not between the Red Sox and Baltimore Orioles or Red Sox and AAA Indianapolis Indians. They followed MLB's rules and regulations. MLB said, choose a team. They chose a team. And then the Red Sox, for some reason, this leaked and started. the Red Sox started going, oh, my God, they chose us. Unbelievable. Well, um, yum, yum, yum. We'll see what happens, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Like, and again, I'm not sure why I know this. I'm not sure why anyone knows this, but uh, there's nothing more certain in the universe than the Red Sox creating a fake chip on their shoulder because after 2004, it's never been the same for them because they no longer have the lovable loser with the same payroll as the New York Yankees factor. They no longer have the $200 million lovable choker label, so they continuously have to create fake disrespect. Um, I'm not sure what it was in 2007, but every year there's something else. There's always, oh my God, everyone bet against us and unbelievable and our cheating scandal's not real, I guess. That's not real adversity. And so as soon as it leaks, not sure why it leaked, you knew the Red Sox would use it against the Yankees. You knew they'd create motivation for themselves. And guess what? If the Yankees had picked Toronto, Kike Hernandez would be there on the podium going, because there was no there was no tiebreaker. Remember, it never happened. So the Yankees would have faced the Red Sox anyway. So there was no tiebreaker, never occurred. But if they had chosen Toronto, Kike Hernandez would be there on the podium waiting for the wildcard game to start going, wow, we heard the Yankees were trying to duck us. Yeah, no, we did hear that. That's interesting. Well, they got what they didn't want. So have at it. Nine innings. We'll see you. Like same exact mentality, same sentence, but just with an opposite clause at the top. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why that leaked. And I was mad as soon as it did. And I'm still mad now because it lets the Red Sox Twitter account do, oh, you wanted Boston. And by the way, 2018, we want Boston. That wasn't the Yankees. That was fans in the stands. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. It's fans like, oh. in the stands said they wanted Boston. You know why they wanted Boston? Because Boston was the team ahead of them. They had no choice. They're fans. You're going to troll the Yankees team over fans chanting. I mean, it's embarrassing every year in a different way. Of course it is. And it's the, and just quickly to, to allude to something else, how stuff leaks that doesn't make any sense. It's like the letter. The Yankees letter is sealed, mm-hmm. yet the Yankees were not implicated in a wide-ranging sign-stealing scandal like the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox were that both of those seasons resulted in championships. So Their letters are like, also one, both sealed. Yeah, letters are also both sealed. So, like, once again, stuff... And MLB loves the Yankees, I guess. Love the Yankees, can't get enough of the Yankees, yet the Yankees have one championship <laughs> in a fucking quarter in, in a fifth of a century. One championship in 20 years, and we're still... Oh, and, and we still have the idiots yelling 27 rings after this loss. It's like, shut up. Um, and then you still well, Red have- Sox fans, Red Sox fans will go 27 rings. You guys sound so stupid. Most yeah. of those are from before you were born. And then you'll be like, damn, the Yankees never win. It's been 12 years. And they'll be like, you have 27 rings. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> like it's both. It's both things. Of course, it's both. It's the boss. It's the narrative. They're fra- it's a fragile city and fragile fan base. So they have to have every narrative work in their favor. Look at last year. Last year, 
Did anybody in Boston give a shit about baseball? Before the season started, people were trying to cope with re- Oh, wait, you know, trading Mookie bets. Yeah, that sucked. But like, hmm, how can we come to terms with this? How did it make sense? Oh, he costs too much money. Oh, we can get like four players that kind of equate to his production. No, it, it's it, it. Oh, Hein Bloom over Dave Dombrowski. Yeah, of course. Why are we going to keep throwing away this money when we could just be the Rays? Wouldn't that be better, guys? It's yeah. just constant like. You're just reasoning with your, it's like what psychos do. You just reason with yourself uh, for dumb things that don't make sense or just to make yourself feel better because you can't be honest with yourself. And that's what that fan base is. In my opinion, uh, baseball doesn't matter when they suck. Baseball is everything when they're good. Um, and then, oh yeah, we could just shift on over to the Patriots because we have Tom Brady. Not anymore. We could shift over to the Celtics because it's title town here. And we've won 10 championships when there were four teams in the NBA. Nobody gives a shit. Um, the Red Sox are not in my head. It's just annoying. The trolls are not creative. The motivation is contrived. It's they're the in my head. Thing. They're in my head, unfortunately. Oh, sorry. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, well, uh, they're not in mine. It's just uh, it's just annoying at this point. It's like my team sucks. I know it. You know it. But you don't need to make up fake motivation to make it seem like it's something that it's not. Um, you've had the mental edge over the Yankees for almost two decades now. Um, nobody is doubting you. Once again, we talked about this on the last podcast, Raphael Dever saying, Oh, nobody believed in us before the year started or halfway through the year. Uh, oh, you were projected to have a winning record and like be on the out, like right on the outside of the playoff picture. I don't understand where the doubt was. You objectively had a worse roster than three of the, than the, the, than three of the other teams out of the four in your division. Uh, you were competing in the best division in baseball. You traded away your best player. You didn't make additions to the pitching staff that were needed after big losses over the last two years. So nobody was doubting. It was more just like, oh, wow, this team that won the World Series in 2018 got worse and changed their entire front office philosophy and are going in an entirely different direction. Yeah, maybe like the up and coming Jays will do better than that. Maybe the Yankees who actually have to prove something and are getting stronger will do that. And we know the Rays are going to be there because the Rays are kind of always there now. And that's their new M.O. Um, So I'm just sick of the fake motivation. I'm sick of the underdog mentality that shouldn't exist because they're not underdogs. And look, like I said, while the wild card is not the playoffs, dude, it's a fun little thing to actually get into the play. It's like the NCAA tournament play in game, you it know, should be Yankees and Red Sox every year. It should just, just be an it. exhibition like Tom Brady going back to New England. Like, was that a real game? Did that count? Like, didn't feel like it, but it was fun. Like, yeah, let's just yeah. do this every year. It's just I, that's that's the only thing I'm bothered by. I'm more I'm more the Yankees are in my head. That's the team yeah. that's in my head. Why? Why? Why are they keeping me up at night? Why can't? Why? Why do they get zero walks in a playoff that game against a, against a team with like? And I'm not even throwing shade at the Red Sox. Just an entirely mediocre pitching staff. I understand Nathan Eovaldi. Nathan Eovaldi's great in many ways. He he has that mentality where he could just pop on the mound and be like, "Yeah, I'm pitching today, dude. Doesn't matter the circumstances." It's not like when he, we had him. I, well, yes, that's true. Um, but now he's done it with Boston and he's proven to have that mentality based on his performances um, in the 2018 postseason. And now tonight, uh, as Jeff Passan said, he is who Garrett Cole was supposed to be um, for the Yankees. And that that's just that's just the way the things that's the way the cookie crumbled for the Yankees. If, for whatever If reason. I may, if I yeah. may, though, that's okay. why the Red Sox are in my head. Yeah, not because they're an astounding team, but just because. Their fans still act like things don't bounce their way and they're lucky if they get one break a century. But you look at last night's game and you look at the decisions that were labeled failures that ended up being successes under the brightest lights. Nathan Avaldi pitches well in 2018 and saves the Red Sox bullpen in the World Series run and Dave Dombrowski gives him a huge extension. And people go, oh my God, Dave Dombrowski's so freaking stupid. And it's consensus that it's sort of an overpay to keep like to reward a World Series hero. 
and he goes out there in 2019 and gets hurt and everybody goes, what a dumb move. I'm so glad we fired Dave Dombrowski because he overpaid Nathan Evaldi because everybody's like laser focused on these singular moves. And lo and behold, Evaldi comes out in 2021 and he's better than Garrett Cole basically all year long. And he is the ace that the Red Sox needed last night. Where's Garrett Cole wilts in a similar situation and Evaldi's being paid $240 million less. Then this trade deadline, Heim Bloom goes out and gets Kyle Schwarber instead of Anthony Rizzo in response to the Yankees stealing Anthony Rizzo from the Red Sox. Rizzo ended up being totally fine on the Yankees. Great defense, 110 WRC+, plus, perfectly above average, good player. Schwarber doesn't even have a position, and he's injured when the Red Sox trade for him. And people go, where's Kyle Schwarber going to go? I don't understand this. What a dumb move. Ridiculous. High and Bloom so overconfident. Where's he going to fit this guy who has 35 home runs at the All-Star break? Lo and behold, he leads off yesterday, hits a giant bomb off Garrett Cole that ultimately ends up being the impetus to forcing him out of the game. And he's been great over the last month and a half since coming to Boston. So there's another one. Everybody piles on a mistake. And guess what? It worked out. Looked like a mistake. Wasn't a mistake puts the Red Sox in a position of power. The Red Sox trade Mookie Betts. It's the dumbest thing a team has done in 25 years of Major League Baseball. It's embarrassing. It's a white flag. It's saying, we don't care about our fan base, and we know our fans are sheep, and they'll eat up anything. And they'll eventually rationalize Mookie leaving and claim he never wanted to be here and claim that him wanting to get, you know, him trying to set the market in free agency is somehow disrespectful to the Red Sox. And that's the kind of thing that they're going to eventually start spinning. And lo and behold, it takes the fans 12 hours to come up with these narratives. Mookie never wanted to be here. We're going to be better off with Alex Verdugo and Jeter Downs. Anyway, Jeter Downs has been horrible. He's bad at AAA this year, flatlined, not really even a top 10 prospect anymore. Many people in the Red Sox system have passed him. Alex Verdugo drives in the fourth run yesterday and the fifth and sixth runs. Alex Verdugo drives in all the insurance. So three moves that were objectively not smart, that were theoretically misaligned. The Red Sox were able to prove people wrong on all three of them over the course of the 2021 season, and especially in the one-game wildcard game. As soon as you flip that switch to playoffs, every move the Red Sox have made turns out to be the correct one, no matter how much it was correctly ridiculed at the time. And Red Sox fans cannot get that through their heads. That these moves always, always work. It's the exact opposite of the Yankees. It's the antithesis of what the Yankees do. The Yankees are going to make the right move, cataloged as correct by the Glitterati, and it's going to fail. The Red Sox are going to make the wrong move, ridiculed by MLB analysts, and then it's going to work, and those same analysts are going to have to wax poetic after it completely works on the biggest stage. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to throw this back to you. Uh, Let's talk Aaron Boone, I guess. Stick around. Welcome back to the Inks Go Yard podcast. Oh, I forget, like the J.D. Drew contract, right? That was a huge failure. But then in 2007, J.D. Drew hit a grand slam to bring the Red Sox to the World Series. Uh, can we think of any others? Oh, oh, the Red Sox trading uh, uh, Manny Ramirez. Oh, yeah, trading your best player in franchise history. But no, Jason Bay's there, and he's somehow better than Manny Ramirez. The Red Sox trade Adrian Gonzalez and Josh Beckett to the Dodgers in a complete fire sale. They're giving up. They're waving the white flag. Well, it doesn't matter. It gives them the financial flexibility to sign seven bad players in the 2013 offseason. Shane Victorino, who was never good again after 2013. Johnny Gomes, who was never good again after 2013. Mike Napoli, who was never good again after 2013. <laughs> Koji Uehara, who was never good again after 2013. And they all line up to win the 2013 World Series. I'm just, I, I am beyond done with Red Sox fans acting as if every time they get a magical break, it is the first time that ever happened. I'm not saying Red Sox fans aren't owed something. Red Sox fans, and you're going to want to clip this, Red Sox fans. Red Sox fans are a good fan base. They're very passionate about good winning baseball. And when they need to bring the noise, they do. That's good. They are, however, Teflon. Nothing sticks to them. They feel no pain and they create their own pain for situations that don't merit pain. And they continue to be rewarded in differing cycles with championship-ish endings and good mojo endings. And Yankee fans pour their heart and soul into this team and never end up with the ending. Not it's been tw- it's been 12 years, the regime is the same, the players are different. The the regime can reload up to a certain point and pull people together and end up in playoff-esque scenarios and end up flatlining again when the moment is at its biggest and brightest. And like I said earlier, I can't wait to see who the Yankees acquire and sign this offseason, who ends up disappointing while the Red Sox sign or acquire a lesser option who ends up succeeding. That's what I can't wait to. How is Corey Seager going to fail? Is he going to start swinging and missing more after we sign him? How is Trevor Story going to fail? Is he going to sign a seven-year contract and then start arguing with the New York media and then come down with plantar fasciitis? 
Like, what is the outcome? What What's going to happen? It's always exciting to see. Are the Yankees going to trade Luke Voigt within the American League and he's going to end up hitting 47 homers for the Oakland A's next year while the Yankees have DJ LeMahieu at first base hitting 264 with 12 homers? Is that what's going to happen? That's pretty interesting. Are they going to trade Gio Rochella? Does somebody want him? And then we're going to go, we have enough infield depth. We don't need Gio Rochella. And then Corey Seager and Andrew Velasquez are the left side of the infield by uh, June. Is that what's going to happen? It's always intriguing. Um, which brings me to... Aaron Boone, not even versus Alex Cora, just Aaron Boone in general, who sounded like he was gone as soon as this game ended. But then again, this organization only seems to care about getting to exactly where they got yesterday. They take days off in the middle of the season. It's an organizational mindset to basically spin your wheels around in a circle until sometime around mid-September and pretend to get up for a playoff race and then usually be unable to do so um, and have to watch Kevin Ploiecki fist pumping and punching the air at second base after doubling off your expensive ace. So, Thomas, do you think that they may actually move off Boone. Like Boone sounds like he's mentally checked out. Are they ready to move off him? Or are they going to have a pleasant conversation where they tell him he tried his best and let's give it another two-year attempt? I think it's 50-50. One thing on Boone, though, of all the nights to shit on Aaron Boone, everyone's everyone's piling on him last night when he made he made the right decision in the in the inevitable embarrassing move to remove his ace after getting six outs in a winner take all game it had to be done there was no other decision to be made he you, he pressed all the right bullpen buttons with the exception of chad green should have went to wandy peralta there don't know why you're bringing in chad green at all in a winner take all game when it's not bring in chad green when you need to preserve a lead maybe if you need to hold on to a lead no I mean, I mean, if you need to uh, if you need to make sure that no no more runs are scored, absolutely no more runs are scored. Chad Green is the worst guy to bring in. You know, something bad is going to happen. If you trust Chad, Chad Green to throw his heater and get guys out in a tight game when you're up, uh, I could sort of understand that because he's that's usually what he's been used for. But you're down four one. You can't afford to go down another single run. And Chad Green is coming in to stop the bleeding. Chad Green has never stopped the bleeding. He's just kept things as is. Um, so that was the only thing that he could. Be, but Boom was getting shit on before that. And it's not his fault. The offense decided to get six hits and zero walks. And Giancarlo Stanton was half of that production. Um and look, we can complain about all we want about Giancarlo Stanton's hits. He combined for what nine a thousand feet on those three hits or some something insane, and he ended up with two singles and one RBI. That's um, why you don't sacrifice games in the middle of the year because exactly. baseball comes around to get you. The yeah. Yankees end up one win short of hosting the wild card game. If they host it, Stanton has three homers. Yeah, and guess what? You have to look at it through that lens, in my opinion, if you're the front office. There are plenty of games this team punted. There are plenty of games this team did not keep their foot on the gas pedal when leading by a lot. We can talk about Astro, the, the Astros game right before the break. Killed the team's momentum heading into a break. They desperately needed momentum. We could talk about the Angels game in the rain. We could talk about the Mets game on July 4th weekend. We could talk about the Tigers game when Justin Wilson did whatever he did. When it was ha- half the fucking... Half the fucking roster was minor league players. We could talk about uh, what else. What else happened? The the red the Chad Green blown two two outs in the ninth against Kiki Kike Hernandez. We could talk about the Domingo, Domingo Herman. Yeah, Domingo Herman perfect game through fucking seven innings. It it never ends. There was and, one at Yankee Stadium where Marwin Gonzalez hit a tying two run homer. I think did he? Oh well, right we, the like final game of the first home series against the Red Sox where Michael King gave up a three-run shot in the first two, the immaculate inning Michael King game. Oh, yeah. Uh, they had a 2-1 lead in the middle of the second one, and Chad Green blew that. Mm-hmm. They had a 2 nothing lead, and I think the seventh inning, and somebody blew that on a Marwin homer. Just year in I mean, there's a, it's a 92-win team, and some of this is, yes, some of this is Yankee fan pretension yeah. and high expectations and gibberish. I said this, I'll say, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you are a fan of a franchise that can't pull it together and you want to get mad at Yankee fans for complaining about this team, I understand that completely. If you're a Padres fan or a Mets fan and you want to say you want to talk about failing with high expectations, yes, I understand, I comprehend. But if you're a fan of a blessed team, one of those other great teams like the Red Sox or the Giants or the teams that can do whatever they want and end up back here, the Rays, 
and you want to be like, shut up, Yankee fan. You won 92 games. This is not good enough, and it's objectively an aggravating season. The losses yeah. they experienced, you are not going to find a 92-win team that loses this many games like this ever again, except for maybe the Yankees next year <laughs> if they maintain the status quo. But it's almost impossible for a 92-win team to lose this many games. You, a, a great team loses like three of these games. Mm-hmm like three head scratchers per year. And, and that's across the board. Sometimes the umpire steals strike three from Justin Wilson in Detroit. It happens. It's very frustrating. But the Yankees have easily 15 coin flips that all went in the opposite direction. And so I guess with superior managing and better energy and better attentiveness to detail, they could have been a 106 win team. Yeah, well, the problem. So the, the reason I'm the reason I say this is 50-50, whether he's going to come back or not, is because I think the front office is apathetic. I Me think too. The fr- that's I I'm totally agreement with you. Yeah. And uh, I don't think fans would necessarily disagree. Do I think Cashman needs to be fired? I think he's made great personnel moves. Do I think that it's a little bit robotic because I'll say it again. They don't really consider the personalities they're bringing into the building. They don't consider the cultural impact and, and the just overall morale impact that a manager has bringing it. Like I did. I like Joe Girardi. Uh, I he was fine. Did, did I really think it was a great decision to jettison Joe Girardi after he took them to one game before uh, to one game within the World Series? Not necessarily. I sit here thinking a lot what may have been if he had just stayed. And I'm not saying that because I liked him and thought he was capable of running it back again. I question it from the front office perspective. It's you just kind of you just had this amazing rally. 2017 was absolutely incredible. It's one of the most, it's one of the most unforgettable failed playoff runs in recent memory for, Mm -hmm. for any team. And you go ahead and you strip that team down. You take, you take away the guy who led the charge and, uh, it just it didn't entirely it made sense on a certain level because it was clear at some point that Girardi over it would have been you know what it kind of would have been like what happened this year it's like oh Aaron Boone goes on a big playoff run with the like say Aaron Boone goes to the World Series this year you're like eh but do we want Aaron Boone back we kind of just watched what happened over the last four years it wasn't that great and like I don't think this playoff run was really indicative of what he did however Joe Girardi was here for much longer than Aaron Boone. He clear Joe Girardi clearly fought for his players, clearly held his players accountable. Um, so it was much different than that. So I think I, that's my worry about Boone com- potentially coming back is because the front office is very apathetic. They are robotic. It's analytics. It's play. It's play this because it's a good matchup. It's it, it's not uh, in it's not accounting for the human element in the game. Um, and. I don't, I don't even know. Like the, the other issue with it too, is like, I, I also, on the other hand, I think he's gone because the, the, the Yankees are doing this the Yankee way it's by the book. It's let Aaron Boone finish out his contract. We'll see what happens next. If he fails, he's out. If he succeeds somewhat and we think it's appropriate to bring him back, we'll bring him back. It's the same thing with Aaron judge. Aaron judge is talking in the post game about how there have been no discussions about his future in pinstripes. Yeah, sure. I get like there's been a lot for Aaron Judge to prove ever since 2017. He's dealt with a lot of freak injuries and then 2020 came around and then it was soft tissue injuries. And then it's like, oh, can this guy last and stay on the field? We don't know. We have to see more. And then he has this incredible 2021 where he was very much the leading candidate in getting the team to where it was. I understand Giancarlo Giancarlo Stanton played an immense role but he largely did that over the last two months of the season. You're going to sit Those here and two tell guys me, play their ass off. They did. It was incredible. Giancarlo Stanton deserves Yankee fans should be lining up to apologize to Giancarlo Stanton on any medium, bring his doorbell, apologize, write him a letter, hit him up on social media. Deserves an apology from everyone. Unbelievable what he was able to do the, the last two months, but Aaron judge was the constant in this lineup. He played uh, what was it? 146 games. Uh, the most he's played since 2017. His defense was incredible all year. You didn't see any lapses on that side of the ball at all. His offense was hummed along for the entire six months of the year. 
You were never you, at you, at no point was Aaron Judge being put down. The, the the worst he looked, in my opinion, was he finally got above 300. And then he went on like that 0 for 12 slump and got back back down to like 289. That was like the low point of Aaron Judge's season. So and then he's talking to the media yesterday as if he has no idea what's happening. He said he wants to be a Yankee for life, which is great. Um, but just the classic way the Yankees handle shit. They can't. They, everything's got to be by the book. They can't rock the boat. They have to let things play out before they make a decision. And it's frustrating. And that's what that's kind of that mentality, I think, seeps into the rest of the roster and has guys kind of not exactly jacked up in situations they need to be jacked up. Not uh, guys, not entirely Aaron Boone, not entirely thinking for himself, I think, for and I don't think it's entirely his fault. I think that he is a good personality to abide by the front office, but he's also not a good personality to push back when the front office is feeding him some bullshit. And he's got to be like, well, I'm not doing this. I'm the manager of this team. I'm making the decision that I feel is best. Or maybe the front office does give him that autonomy and he doesn't run with it. So I don't really know. I think it's 50-50. And I feel like shit saying that because I don't think he should be here. I don't really think he should have been here in the first place. Um, Feel bad for the guy. But in the end, he'll live a comfortable life. He will. He'll be okay. But he'll be the he'll be the Cleveland Guardians bench coach. I've been saying this <laughs> for a long time. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, nothing is more ridiculous. than if you want to look at this Yankees timeline from 2017 to now, the fact that we basically let Joe Girardi walk because he was having a tough time connecting with Gary Sanchez. And we were so invested in Gary Sanchez being not just the future, but like an icon. And now there's a chance Gary Sanchez gets non-tendered. Because, I mean, I don't know if he connected with Aaron Boone, but nothing about Gary Sanchez since 2017 has been quite the same. He was an above-average offensive catcher, barely, in 2018. He might have been below average. He was above average in 2019. He was an all-star, but he tailed off as the year went on. He was well below average in 2020. And he ended up, after being resurgent in the first half, below average by a tick this year and ended with a 99 WRC+. He's a superior option to Kyle Higashioka, as a starter, but he's not who Gary Sanchez was supposed to be. And they basically predicated the managerial move on the fact that there is friction between Girardi and Sanchez and, and Girardi and, and the rest of the players in the locker room. And they needed a player manager and, and they got Boone. And that's why I have no idea if he's going to be let go or not, because I think he has lived out the vision of the front office. I think this is a franchise that is certainly lost in the idea of what it takes to compete in major league. Yes, it is hard to win the world series. And yes, the Yankees won 100 games under Boone in 2018 and 103 games under Boone in 2019. By far his best managerial job. Then the roster got better and they got worse in both 2020 and 2021. It's very confusing, but you're, I think you have a front office right now who's going to look at that and say, you want us to do better than 100 and 103 wins? You yeah. want us to do better than two out of four years where we're basically the cream of the crop and we just lost because the ball bounces differently in the playoffs? Meanwhile, every outsider is looking at it like, man, we have not had the playoff advantage since 2009. We, we have, here are the teams we have beaten in the postseason since 2009 in full series. We beat the Minnesota Twins in 2010, which we do annually. It's bizarre. I can't justify it, but we beat the Twins in a season where the Twins probably should have been favored to beat us in 2010. We beat the Twins and lost to the Texas Rangers. 2011, we lost to the Detroit Tigers. We always lose to the Detroit Tigers. And by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if the Detroit Tigers have a better record than us next year nope. with A.J. Hinch. Who got They're them to 77 wins? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They might sign Carlos Correa. They're going to get free agents. They're going to do what you think the Yankees should do. I would not be shocked at all if they have a better record than us next year. I would not be shocked at all if the Yankees say win 93 games and make the wild card again and then end up facing the Tigers in the ALDS. And then we have to lose to them. And it's just another team where you look at them and go, well, how are we, how are we supposed to beat them? They're just better than us. I just want to look at one playoff series where I go, we're better than them. The Yankees have been the fifth or sixth best team in the American League for several years now. And you look at the teams they've lost to in the playoff series and you go, yeah, we should have lost. I, I, want, to, I want to not have a we should have lost situation. I want to feel like the favorite. 2010, they lose to the Rangers. 2011, they lose to the Tigers. 2012, they beat the Baltimore Orioles. Good ALDS, actually. I'd put that up there with hard-fought efforts. CeCe Sabathia was great. 
tough O's team. They take a road game. They take the Ubanez game, but they still don't really hit in that series. Nope. Something about that series is weird, too. They they had home field advantage, but they started in Baltimore for two games and then went to New York for three. I still don't remember why that happened, but that's a good series win. Mark that down as one good series win. But then they lose the ALCS to the Tigers. 2013, the Red Sox lap them and they don't make the playoffs. 2014, everybody laps them and they don't make the playoffs. Say goodbye to Derek Jeter after saying goodbye to Mariano Rivera and saying goodbye to Andy Pettit. 2015, they make the one-game wild card lose to Houston. That'll become a theme. At home. 2016, at home, they don't do anything. That game's a lot like last night's game. Yes. And thank God, thank God that we got a 2021 Yankees game at Fenway Park. That was one of those games where they just don't show up from the first pitch. Because if we got a 2021 Yankees game where they blew a 3-1 lead in the eighth, I would have been in a much different mood. <laughs> Imagine me in a different mood after I've already screamed for 35 minutes this morning. <laughs> um, but that would have been, I mean, thank God we got one where it was basically like, oh my God, they had momentum for 3.5 seconds and they gave it up by Phil Nevin sending Aaron Judge on one of the stupidest plays you'll ever see. And then they never had momentum again. And so the game was, was interesting for three and a half minutes. And it is what it is. Lose to Houston at home in the wildcard game, do nothing. 2016, don't make the playoffs. 2017, beat the Cleveland Indians. That was a crazy series, and that was a 100-win Indians team. Another one, I'll give that a certified good check mark. Good series win. Look, the Indians in the face, better team than them, and beat them. They also beat the Twins in the wildcard game. I'm not, again, the Twins. I'm glad the Yankees beat the Twins in the wildcard game. Lost to Houston. 2018 beat the A's in the one game wildcard game. Fine. Wildcard games are coin flips. This was at home. The A's didn't have a starting pitcher in this game. I can't mark this down as epic, amazing win. Lose to the Red Sox in the DS, including a 16-1 defeat on your home field, which is why I hadn't previously been concerned about home field this time around until I saw Giancarlo Stanton hit those bombs that would have gone out in Yankee Stadium. 2019 beat the Twins again. They beat the Minnesota Twins again. They lose when they face the Astros, a real team. And another one where you nod and look at the Astros and go, well, they were just better. Why were they just better? Examine this. Stop being the underdog in these series. 2020, they beat the Indians in a wild card round, and none of nothing about this playoffs feels real at all. They go face the Rays in the DS and lose. Yesterday, they lose to the Red Sox. The Red Sox, Rays, and Astros over and over again. The White Sox were supposed to be one of those teams this year, where if you face them in the playoffs, weren't you ready? When the season started, weren't you ready to have that feeling? Like, Yankees make the ALCS against the White Sox and lose in six, and then you're just doing the same thing all over again. You're going... Ah, well, they were just better. We'll get them next year. Lose to the Tigers next year. Ah, the Tigers were just better. We'll get them next year. Lose to the Angels or Mariners the year after that. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? The Mariners are just better. And we'll regroup. We'll get back together for now. Like, the Yankees haven't lost any of these playoff series as the favorite. People like to make the Yankees the favorite because they hate the Yankees. And they like to pretend that this is still a big, bad behemoth. But the Yankees year in and year out lose to teams that seem better suited for October baseball than they are. And never once have they pulled the upset except for the 2017 ALDS. That is not a good ratio of, of series they were expected to lose versus series they actually lost. It's like a perfect circle. Yeah. It's every year they face a team that seems like they have galvanized themselves between, well, like year over year. The White Sox progressed like a contender is supposed to. They got better. They got better. They got better. And now they're supposed to be a behemoth. The Astros built from within and added free agents. And la, here we go up the stairs. And now they're a behemoth. The Yankees start. The, the rebuild goes faster than anyone anticipates. And the 2017 Yankees are gritty and have these interesting pieces and have a legitimate superstar in Aaron Judge. And then they just never did anything that made them better. They add Garrett Cole. That should work. It doesn't. And nothing has worked. And at no point have they been these bona fide favorites. And that's the most frustrating thing of all. Every year they're walking into battle with an opponent who you go, well, they're not as good as this opponent. And then the opponent beats them and the cycle begins anew. And and look, no offense to Cleveland for our, it, it, w with our win in 2017. Cleveland is the capital of sports futility. So like, is that really, I understand they were the favorites. All we but do like is beat the AL Central. It's yeah, all we it's, do, except for that Orioles series nine years ago. Yeah. And you look at AL pennants since 2004, Boston, four, Tampa Bay, two, Kansas City, two, Texas, two, Houston, two, Detroit, two, White Sox, one, Cleveland, one, Yankees, one. And guess what? One of Boston, Tampa, Houston, and Chicago are going to get another one. So they're going to, it's either the White Sox are going to double their amount over the Yankees, 
the Red Sox are going to make their number five times larger than the Yankees or the Rays are going to make their number three times larger than the Yankees. So, and one more thing about the front office, um, because we have to talk about roster construction, there will be, this is is going to be a two and a half hour podcast. So strap in. (laughs) I'm just, I'm not doing any more work today. Hold my calls. I'm just going to be yelling about the New York Yankees predicament because I mean, we're not going to, we're going to move on in the off season at some point, but for now we are stuck here. Yeah, and we we are stuck. It, it it is it is the definition of being stuck in the mud because you look at the 2021 Yankees roster. You look where they came from in 2019. 2019, tremendous team. How do we possibly? How do we get worse? Well, I can tell you, you get worse by putting guys out of position and then not balancing the lineup with lefties and then having to go out and frantically get lefties at the trade deadline this year, and then kind of fucking up team chemistry because Luke Voigt should have been playing, whether you agree with it or not. He should have been in the lineup. He shouldn't have been starting over Rizzo because I understand the defensive concerns. But that's another thing. The Yankees decided that below average defense at most of their positions was suitable for them. And they thought that, hey, we're just going to score a lot of runs because why wouldn't we score a lot of runs? We have a good offense. Why would the ball not bounce in our favor? Why would pitching ever have the advantage over us, even though historically pitching has the advantage over offense? It always does. Offense is mostly failures. It's mostly failing when you step up to the plate. So the Yankees had this philosophy that they were built different, built different than any other team. We hit home runs, dude. We get extra base hits. We get a lot of RBIs, but guess what? Yeah, we invented home runs. (laughs) And they thought that would really maintain from what, 27? They thought that would maintain for five years. Playing guys out of position. You're ping-ponging DJ LeMahieu all over the infield. You're using Rugnet Odor at third base. You have Glaber Torres at shortstop after you publicly said he's probably not a good shortstop. You have Luke Voigt playing first base for the last few years, and he's very much not a good defensive first baseman, but he does have a place in the lineup because he's a very good hitter. Then you look at what happens at the trade deadline. You pick up Joey Gallo, who does play the outfield, but guess what? Most of his outfield experience is in right and center field. So then you put him in his least familiar position in left field. The results have been bad. Don't really understand how anybody could defend that. His play in left field has been subpar at best. And his batting has been the worst thing you've ever seen. So you relegate Luke Voigt to a pinch hitter's role, a guy who lost his starting job because of, because once again, you couldn't balance, balance the lineup with lefties. You, force him into a role where he should not be motivated. Pinch hit at bat should be people who are dying for playing time and looking to make an impact and trying to make it difficult in the opposing pitcher. I'm not saying Luke Boyd is going to the plate during a pinch hit at bat and saying, fuck Aaron Boone. I'm going to strike out here to show he's a piece of shit, but I would, (laughs) but he's not motivated. You think he's motivated after winning AL player of the week. Then we say, Hey, great job, Luke. You did what you had to do. Appreciate your contributions. Now you'll be on the bench. We'll give you a pinch hit at bats when we feel it's appropriate. Absolutely no reason to be motivated at that point whatsoever. You've been demoted for no reason other than the team's, other than the front office's incompetent incompetence in balancing this lineup. And once again, you play these guys out of positions. It fucks with their ability to hit. You saw what happened with Glaber Torres. He was bad all year offensively because he couldn't get his head. He couldn't wrap his head around shortstop and that's fine. Shortstop's a very hard position, but guess what? You should figure we'll talk about this a million times. Figure that out at the trade deadline, move Glaber. If you're going to move Glaber Torres back to second, don't make it on September 15th when there's a, a week and a half left in the season for him to get ample playing time. Stop moving DJ LeMay, a DJ LeMay who can be viewed as a utility guy because he theoretically can play a bunch of positions, but he's not, He's not a utility guy you bring off the bench who's plus defense everywhere who, or who is known for that. He's known for being a solid defender wherever you put him, but it, and it clearly also messed with his ability on offense. I know he was also injured, but I think that that played a role as well. And then you have Rugnet Odor, who you have to insert in this lineup because, once again, you need a lefty. I like Rugnet Odor for what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be a bench player. He's supposed to be a motivator. He's supposed to be a cool guy you bring – um, into the game later for, uh, I, I, I think, uh, morale purposes or just veteran presence. Um, 
and he's used improperly. So you go down the list and he was acquired in April. That wasn't even supposed to happen. So we're talking about moves that never even really were supposed to happen because the front office put themselves in this mess because whatever you want to say, DJ LeMay, who upended their plans by being too good. Um, what have you, the, the, a, a Glaber Torres was always supposed to play shortstop and we had to wait till DD Gregorius left in order to make that a reality. Um, they ran into every front office runs into issues. There's always problems. There's always good problems, especially Yankees have a lot of good problems, but they didn't, they didn't properly fix them. They, 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 they went the wrong way about all of it. They, they gave, they, they waited too long to address certain things. Um, and that, that is on, that does affect the dugout morale, which is kind of why I'm, that's kind of why I think it's 50, 50 for Boone to leave because you kind of destroy these guys' mentality by ping-ponging them left and right. You have Brian Cashman, who very much I, – I, I do understand being honest and, um, and candid about certain players' performances and what's expected of them um, and whatnot. But you can't have a guy like Labor Torres, who was a two-time All-Star for you and then had one bad half season and kind of trash him heading into a full season. Uh, do I also think it's weak that Labor Torres didn't respond and was – very uh, once again apathetic about his entire situation because his body language was poor all year um he didn't hustle he wasn't hustling for most of the year there were two hustle instances over the last week and a half which should have been which should not have been an issue after what had happened earlier in the season so um i think the front office has a lot to do with what's rotten with this team and i don't think the, the, what I'm trying to say here is that the front office has made this team rotten in many sense, in many senses. And the problem is that Aaron Boone is not a sturdy and um, I guess uh, demanding enough or uh, demanding enough figure to kind of turn that around because you're always going to have friction between the front office and the dugout. That's just the, the way the game goes. Historically, you have people up top making decisions that formulate the roster. And then you have a manager who's like, dude, I am on the field. I see what's going on. This is a bad move. I know what you're trying to do. I know what you're thinking. Let's work through it. It seems like the Yankees front office just makes the moves. And then it's like, Hey, Aaron, let's figure this out. And then Aaron Boone's like, all right, I guess like we have to try and figure this out now. And it, there, it, it seems to me there's no pushback. It's, it's a lot of yes, Manning. And then there's no, he's not a motivator. You just you just know he's not but watching his post gamers, watching his body language in the dugout. So it's it's a perfect shitstorm of 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 stuff that that's contributing to the downfall of this team, because very much it is a downfall. It's it's it, your crowning achievements in 2009 is 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 going to two ALCSs and, and losing to the Houston Astros. Like, yeah, a lesser fan base can be like, hey, dude, shut up. You got to the ALCS, but we're not yeah. that. We're, we're, the, we're a $5 billion franchise with unlimited resources and the ability to hire people to make the right decisions. So that's where the frustration lies. And I think that there, there are so many fragmented aspects of it that, yeah, you want to blame Aaron Boone? Sure. I, I don't disagree. He has not done his job to push back enough and to override what the front office is doing. But this is also 13 years of Cashman at the helm. The teams that won the World Series mostly early in his tenure were not his. Those were not his foundational moves. 2009, yes, they went out and spent a half a billion dollars and they got the victory. That's great. If they didn't, it would have been even more embarrassing. But something's wrong. I don't know exactly what it is, but we can point to a lot of stuff. Um, and that's 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 what's going on, guys. And I, I don't think it's a surprise. And if it's a surprise, you just haven't been watching. Like Like I'll say again. Just having the dark. Yeah. The the dark reality of the situation is that in order to win the world series next year or compete for the world series or be favored to win the world series, they're going to have to have a red Sox like quick turnaround of just why are all our players bad this year? I know let's add two or three random free agent glue pieces. Oh, it worked. Now all our players are good again. Like there's no quick fix outside of a miracle. Honestly, and I don't I'm not trying to sound pessimistic and it does happen. It keeps happening in Boston. So it could happen here. And maybe Aaron Boone's that front office ish voice that's not working. Maybe Brian Cashman wakes up. I I don't know. But in order to in order for them to win the World Series next year, they're going to have to be galvanized by a couple of mysterious forces. And the lineup is going to have to bounce back. It's on the players, too. 
Of course it is. Yeah, of course oh, it's yeah. on the players. I didn't mention this lineup, that. Sorry. <laughs> this lineup somehow ended up with just like, like we said, three above average guys out of nine. That is not enough offense. They need seven next year. And I don't know if that's Gio Urshela and Glaber Torres and Gary Sanchez all getting together and bouncing back because they added somebody like Kike Hernandez. Or I don't know if that's calling up Anthony Volpe, signing Corey Seager and signing Jock Peterson and bringing in a ton of new faces and new voices. I don't know what it's going to be, mm-hmm. but it's either it's either going to be a monster overhaul using a, a large amount of money or it's going to be an accidental rejuvenation like the Red Sox continue to do where just everybody decides they're going to believe again or they're not going to win the World Series. Those are your three options. Or they're just going to keep or, or they're just going to think they can run it back. That, yeah, exactly. That, they're going to they be like, oh. they're going to run it back. They can't run. They're not going to run it. No, I mean, they, so. they could run it back to the same place. They could yeah. run it back to competing for fourth place in the AL East. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like, like we talked about Aaron Boone saying, oh, you know, we'll, we'll flip the switch at some point. It's like, OK, maybe. Sure. But this team has been mentally beaten down since 2018. That's now four straight years of just being pounded into the dirt mentally and physically. This team has been injured a lot. This team has the, their rivals have gotten the best of them. The, their rivals have even gotten the last laughs in meaningless regular season series. And it's been embarrassing. Uh, like regu- losing a regular season series. How should that be embarrassing? There are 162 games in a season. You're going to lose a lot. It's going to, it, you're not, it's just, it's just the math of how it is. The, uh, two or three teams every year, maybe win a hundred games. You're going to you're going to be on the losing end of so many of so many tough games and so many ones where you're exhausted and the Yankees managed to make them like even more magnified. They make them feel like you just lost game seven of the World Series. That six run loss to Houston after you're you're up four one in the season series against Houston. You are two outs away from shutting the door on a 5-1 series win against Houston going into the All-Star break, and you managed to lose that in such bad fashion that everybody is demoralized. You can't tell me that this team from top to bottom hasn't been emotionally abused by what's happened. And it's not easy. We are emotionally abused and mentally abused on a daily basis as a working class. Imagine what it's like dealing with that type of stuff, those types of... Those types of uh, defeats, how how much more can you take as as an individual? You know, you get the 16 to one loss at the stadium in 2018, the walk off Jose Altuve home run, the Austin Meadows, Mike Brasso home runs in the ALDS and do or die last year. The just not showing up to the wild card game this year, despite ending the season on arguably the, the like the one a the the best note the Yankees could have ended the season is if they won the series against the Rays and they got home field advantage. Still, they went six and three in their final nine against ninety plus win teams and managed to clinch a playoff spot and had good things going. And then they just don't show up to the wild card game. They get punked by their rivals. Their rivals are using contrived motivation that has nothing to do with anything that nobody really cares about. So you tell me. You tell me, have you been on losing teams before? I grew up playing on a baseball team that just lost all the time. I know what it's like. It's just not fun. I'm not comparing it to the pros, but the magnitude at which the Yankees lose, the magnitude at which they're embarrassed, the magnitude at which their rivals have their mental edge constantly over them. There needs to be a change just because things need to be fresh. Things need to start anew. You can't just keep going down this path of being abused and battered on the same trajectory over and over again. Things clearly haven't been working. Are these guys the right group to respond? Uh, we've had four years of evidence. I really don't think so. And I don't think that that means trade Aaron Judge in the offseason. I don't think that means figure out a way to get rid of Giancarlo Stanton's contract. I don't think that means Garrett Cole is an absolute failure as the ace of this team. I think that maybe you signed fucking Charlie Morton and Michael Brantley, and that changes a lot of things last year. I think you bring in a new manager who has actual managerial experience and knows how to navigate tough waters in pressure-filled situations when Alex Cora is a guy who loves to get the mental edge and get in your head. I would like a guy who's kind of immune to that, so something needs to get done. I don't know what it's going to take, but you can't run it back with this team because you're going to get the same result next year. You'll next year. You're not winning the division because the Red Sox 
know that they have a foundation now. And why would they not spend a little bit of money this time around? They have some money coming off the books. They're going to be able to get one or two good players and make it work. They could go, they could win the division. The Rays are going to figure it out. The Jays are going to be even better, assuming they could keep some guys there and keep spending a little bit of money. They also have a good pipeline of prospects. So it's not looking good for the Yankees unless there are some, some, there's some sort of overhaul. Cause if you're running it back, like Aaron Boone said, the gap is being closed, but there was really no gap to begin with. Now it's just the Yankees are falling into the middle of the pack instead of like being the bullshit preseason favorite. Now it's like, you're going to look at next year and Oh yeah, great. Now we know who the Yankees are. We watched them for the last four years. They kind of fooled us in 2021 because we watched all their rivals get worse and we watched them kind of get better. And then they, fumbled the bag worse than you could have ever imagined in the form of a wild card loss to their most hated rival. So I don't know. There's just, it's hard to, for me, if I run this team to sit here and be like, eh, let's go for it again. We'll see what happens. Maybe fifth time's a charm. No, there's, there's too many scars here and the scars have not been stored properly. They have not been responded to properly. And that I think should result in overarching changes. But like you said, Make overarching changes. They probably won't fucking work anyway. So what does it matter? Yeah, I was uh, I was on a JV baseball team that went 0-15 one year and had the same starting pitcher in 14 of those games. And this kind of felt like that. I mean, yeah. you're right. I, I'll i leave it on. I'll, I'll just leave it on this. Like, this Keep says going. it all to me. Um, it just says it all to me that you're, you're right. They had their second best stretch of the entire season last week. And that included a three-game sweep at Fenway Park where they got every clutch hit imaginable. Aaron Judge came through. Giancarlo Stanton came through three times. They ran away and hit in the first game. Garrett Cole was more than good enough. They win the second game on a huge momentum-turning home run. They win the third game on a huge momentum-turning double. And then they are faced with the exact same scenario one week later, except for the calendar has flipped and now has the word playoffs in it. That is the only difference. It is the same pitching matchup from the opening game of last week's regular season series. And they are completely outmatched and boat raced mentally in terms of attitude, in terms of execution. They go right back into all their worst habits. And uh, there was no change between the regular season games of which they won all three and last night's wild card game, other than the official stamp and designation that it was the playoffs. And it's felt like that far too often for Yankee fans over the past decade. You see it in the regular season. They shake their warts off. They get over the hump. And then the calendar says October and they go right back into their worst habits. And at a certain point that has to fall on the manager and the front office and the people who put this team together, as well as the players, everybody bears responsibility, but just too often for my sake and for everyone's sake, we have seen this team gel and galvanize in the regular season. And we have seen them look at the calendar and realize what the date is and backslide concurrently so many times year in and year out, not hitting against hittable pitching, not delivering in the same moments. It's just, it, you, you want one year for the moments to be reversed, maybe turn around a catastrophic late season sweep and turn that into a playoff victory. The next time you get a chance to, to prove yourself on the big stage and they simply never do it. It always goes backwards. And hopefully we are talking about foundational changes this off season, but I have very little hope. The rays are better. The red Sox aren't unbelievable, but they're better. And the Jays are so much better. So we're either battling for third place or we're well below that or we've made fundamental changes and I'll leave it to you guys to decide which you think is most likely. That is it for this 17 hour long Ken Burns style post-mortem 2021 New York Yankees edition of the Yanks go yard podcast. Rest assured. We're still going to be doing these all off season long, taking you through all you need to know. Hopefully there are at least some moments to give you brief joy, maybe a signing or two that you endorse and can at least get excited about before we start playing these games on the field instead of on paper. Like you said, Thomas, the Yankees, the gap has been closed, but the gap never really existed. We're just talking about the gap between Sports Illustrated's preseason projections year in and year out. 2019-2020, Sports Illustrated's predicting the Yankees to run away with the American League. 2021, same deal. 2022, 
Probably not. I think even those projection folks will have wisened up and realized that you shouldn't pick this team until they give you a reason to. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We'll be happy to answer it. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. I think I did okay during the wildcard game. I've done better. Basically, I just don't want people to unfollow me because I'm desperately insecure. But man, oh man, I'm not having a good time. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. I'm also not having a good time, but also I knew this was coming. We all saw that this we saw this iteration of the game happening and it did. And that's the result. So at least they didn't surprise us in any way or make it worse than it should have been. Uh, talk to us on the Yanks Go Yard official Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Head on over to YanksGoYard.com. Plenty of offseason content there for you now. Season's over, in case you're wondering. Uh, so we're going to be talking about changes that need to be made. Um, any rumors that might be popping up? Cool stuff. Uh, cool little tidbit here uh, for the Mets. Another great, cool team. Um, Theo Epstein will not be coming to the Mets. That's cool. A source familiar with the situation told Andy Martino that Steve Cohen and Theo Epstein spoke. They had a good conversation and agreed it was not the right opportunity. Not sure why the Mets agreed with Theo Epstein that it was not the right opportunity to turn their entire franchise around because they're garbage. But hmm. hey, if you want to feel good today, there's at least that. Uh, another asinine New York franchise that doesn't know what they're doing. Um, and until then, guys, we'll talk to you again on Friday. Uh, hopefully there's something fun to discuss. Um, I don't think there will be in two days time. Um, we're not exactly going to be Rays fans in this series, but we'll be quiet Rays fans through this series. Um, and then we'll have to be whoever else. And then we don't know what we're going to do. We're just going to, we got to be White Sox fans at this point. So fuck it. That's what the playoffs is about. Um, we'll talk to you in a couple days. Yeah, not going to say go raise, but uh, go raise. See you on Friday. You're the one who protects the flock, and that requires an eye for detail. Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you, and we're here for you, and all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions, plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.